Hi, this is K.S. Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Today, I'll be detailing an episode-by-episode overview of the Netflix original series, The Irregulars, Book 1. Just a warning, there are some spoilers in this overview, which I typically try to leave out, but I felt were too important to skip over. However, I did leave out shocking plot points you have to see to believe as the viewer. The Irregulars is a British mystery adventure crime drama television series created by Tom Bidwell for Netflix. Based on the works of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, it features the Baker Street Irregulars working for Dr. Watson, saving London from supernatural elements. Developed by Drama Republic, the eight-episode series premiered on the 26th of March, 2021. In the original Sherlock Holmes stories, the Irregulars are basically street informants recruited by Sherlock, much to the dismay of Watson. Before, they were all a group of young white boys, whereas this show has a mixed group of the sexes, racially and ethnically diverse. Chapter 1, An Unkindness in London It's Bee's birthday, the night before her sister Jessie has a fright from her recurring nightmares. Their flatmates Billy and Spike disappear before Bee awakes to go amateur boxing, much to her dismay. A young man of privilege, possibly royalty, whose birthday was the same day, requests to take a tour around London. During that evening, Jesse's nearly run over by his horse and carriage. His servant reprimands Jesse for being in the street, but B rightfully defends her against their speeding carriage. Later, B speaks with a nun about Jesse's condition, similar to their mother's before she died. Once the nun leaves, a man approaches B. He introduces himself as Dr. Watson a private detective in need of assistance in the disappearance of four babies. With a name, B, Billy, and Spike find the older sister, Susan Shipley, of a recent infant kidnapping. She confesses she accidentally left the window open, but doesn't know who took her sister. However, when she gives more information, a massive flock of birds attack the group, eventually killing Susan, gouging out her eyes from her skull. B confronts Watson, who commissioned her and her friends. He's short and abrasive with her at his shared apartment and refuses to pay her until she proves or provides information for them. Later, that privileged boy sneaks out and wanders around London to find B, then introduces himself as Leo. He's able to help her connect the dots in their investigation where she can't about the babies and the birds. After B sends Jesse off with Spike, she, Billy, and Leo devise a plan to rescue one of the babies they believe was stolen, but mistakenly allow the baby to be kidnapped once they've gained entry. Back home, Jesse is nearly killed during another nightmare, but is rescued by a man residing in Louisiana, the Linen Man. He proclaims Jesse is going through an awakening. She must grab a hold of the kidnapper's arm in order to get into his mind and discover where he got his power from. When she reaches the others, Jesse ju- does just that and discovers the grieving father suffered massive trauma from his wife and baby's death during childbirth that he blocked from his memory. He gained his powers from a seance, but all he ever wanted was to say goodbye to his daughter, which he was denied at the hospital. B confronts Watson again. This time, along with payment, he confesses to know about Jesse's gift and warns evil danger is upon London sooner than B and her friends think. Chapter 2 The Ghost of 221B 
Multiple families are attacked by a mysterious woman who steals children's teeth while they're sleeping. V is apprehended after attempting to steal jewelry. Dr. Watson bails her out and forces her to investigate the Tooth Fairy case or threatens to send her back to the abusive workhouse, the place she and Jesse were raised and worked after they became orphans. B orders Spike to spy on Dr. Watson while he's out. Leo rejoins the crew and is paired with Billy to interview the victims. Billy and Leo get into a confrontation with a royal bodyguard who's the father of one of the victims. When Billy storms off, Leo tries to talk with him but cries in pain from a wound he's hidden from the group. B and Jesse separate when Jesse insists on going on her own. Jesse is led into a trap by the two fairy herself by using a clone of one of the victims. Eventually B finds Jesse and rescues her from the two fairy. When the guys regroup with them, Jesse attempts to invade the two fairies' mind like before, but the woman reversed the attack and saw Jesse's memories of her and B's time at the workhouse. Back at 221B, Spike finds a letter about the Golden Circle, but as soon as he started, Spike hid away when someone else began walking around the house. Back at the dentistry, the group witnessed clones of the children being grown from their own teeth. The two fairy is using them to gain access to the duke in order to kill him. Leo informs everyone the duke is the landlord who owns all of the properties in the area, including the former dentistry. Billy makes haste to the theater in time to save the duke from being shot by one of the zombie children. Before then, before the shots were fired, a young girl gave a speech via the two fairy about the Duke raising the unreasonable rent, causing the woman's father to kill himself from the financial burden. When the same bodyguard intervenes, he orders Billy to stay with the Duke and his family. Unfortunately, his wife's teeth were also stolen, made into a zombie, and attempts to kill him. When Billy intervenes, she tries to kill him as well. B initially hesitates, but then kills the two fairy in order to save Billy. Afterwards, when Leo normally scurries off home, Billy teases him about it, but Leo decides to say and comfort B. Jessie had another nightmare where she's rescued once more by the linen man. He warns her of a rip between the worlds, is the cause of the paranormal activity in London, and must be closed before the rip is widened. Later, Spike relays to the group about the Golden Circle and the paranormal paraphernalia he found in another section of 221B. B investigates his location for herself and is introduced to a man that already knows about her, Mycroft Holmes. Chapter 3 Epistemus Mycroft Holmes propositions B and her friends to assist him in finding the culprit behind the murder of a friend. This friend is also the leader of the Golden Circle, known as the Mage for Mycroft's paranormal cult. His body was posed in a position similar to the Invoker or the Magician Tarot card, meaning manipulation. Billy warns Leo to stay away from B, but Leo stands firm against him, even taunting Billy for not being more forthcoming about his feelings toward B before he arrived. B and Jesse play the roles of Mycroft's nieces in order to infiltrate the paranormal group and observe each member's activity and body language for anything suspicious. Later that evening, another member is crowned the mage, but also dies soon after, their body positioned like the swords of eight, meaning captivity. When the amateur sleuths attempt to flee the castle, they discover their magically held captive on the grounds. 
When they return and reveal their true identities, B and Billy are tasked with interrogations. During a moment between the two, Billy attempts to express his feelings towards B, but she doesn't return his feelings. Later, she finds Leo struggling with Sherlock's puzzle box. With her insight, they're able to solve the puzzle and share an intimate moment B's more susceptible to than with Billy. Elsewhere, Jesse's powers are discovered by the paranormal group and identified as an epistemist, a person with incredible magical power and spiritual insight. They clamor over her and try to persuade her to give up her powers. Another pair of members are killed, positioned like the lover's card, infatuation. Jesse is captivated by the infatuation spell and lured to the tower she initially spotted before entering the castle. By then, B theorizes who the killer is as they race to the tower to save Jesse. They are warned from Sherlock's journal and Epistemus's power can be stolen when sacrificed. Under the infatuation spell, Jesse is made to grip onto a pole during a magically conjured lightning storm. However, Spike is the only one who can reach her in time to convince her to let go. When the case has been solved and the group is paid handsomely, Mycroft admits his distant relationship with his little brother was caused by Watson. He believes Dr. Watson is a bad man who's manipulated and tainted Sherlock. He also informs B and Jesse a magical rip between the worlds happened 15 years ago, but he's unsure how it happened and why it's happening again. Back in the cellar, Billy tells B about his date to no reaction other than she's happy for him. Once he's gone, B wiggles her way beside Leo as he continues reviewing Sherlock's notes. Inside, he finds old photos of Dr. Watson and a woman. B recognizes that person as her mother. Chapter 4 Both the Needle and the Knife A man is found murdered with his face expertly sliced from his skull. Leo and B share a kiss, but she scolds him when he has to leave again. He promises her he'll return by 10 p.m. that night, but she doesn't hold him to it. Dr. Watson gives B and Jesse another assignment, working alongside a detective from Scotland Yard, Detective Lestrade. B insists on more information about Sherlock. When Watson refuses, she runs off to Sherlock's room, but it's empty. Watson threatens to sever their arrangement if she continues to pry. Jesse, Spike, and Billy set out to assist Detective Lestrade in the murder cases. He immediately expresses his distaste for Jesse and anyone like her. He believes she's demonic like the person they're hunting for. Jesse brushes against a bystander near the crime scene who encountered the killer days before. When they all run off after him, they're led to a pub where he and two other men sexually assaulted a woman enabled by the pub owner. The owner gives Lestrade information about the woman's residence, a taxidermy shop. Leo is warned to never leave the palace anymore. His handler has arranged for him to attend a soiree even though he isn't of age. He meets a pretty socialite who insists on holding his attention while his handler keeps a close eye on him. B meets with Mrs. Hudson to pay their rent and ask for information about Sherlock Holmes. She tells her where he frequents but warns her not to go. B goes. <laughs> there she runs into Watson again. He offers another threat about her snooping. Another addict provides her information about Sherlock's whereabouts instead. Jesse confronts the killer but is unable to hold her captive in time for Lestrade to apprehend her. He thinks Jesse intentionally let her go and continues to degrade Jesse because of her spiritual powers. Spike tries to cheer her up, but she's unresponsive to his charm. 
Jessie then makes a revelation about the killer. She wants a family and will kill the pub owner and impersonate his life as a family man. One of the men he allowed to assault her gave her syphilis and rendered her barren. B continues her ill-advised snooping. It is intentionally led to a dead end by Watson via the attic. In a letter addressed to her, he taunts her and formally ends their unofficial arrangement. Leo consumes drugs by the socialite who continuously flirts with him, but he regains his senses when the clock rings, which makes him think of his promise to be. He escapes her clutches and finds his escape route via a balcony he must jump from. His handler discovers him right before he does, warning him he'll die if he jumps from this height. Leo makes a jump but is badly wounded. Jesse, Spike, and Billy race to the pub to find a distraught, a distraught Lestrade and the dead owner. His face flayed from his skull. Lestrade cries the killer ran out back into the woods. They all follow the trail, but when Jesse suggests Billy and Spike run ahead, she confronts the killer she knows is posing as Lestrade. She was too nice to be the real detective. Jesse has a heart to heart with the killer about feeling like someone other than yourself after a traumatic experience. She allows her to go free on the condition she never kills again. She agrees, but Jesse gets insight on how she obtained her powers to begin with before she leaves. Jesse visits the linen man and tells him about the case and how this person gained their powers differently from all the others. He informs her he's actually on his way to England to help her with her own powers so she won't feel so isolated. Later, back at the cellar, they find Leo badly bruised and bloodied. B visits Mr. Hudson again for information about Sherlock. B has her own revelation when she examines the mysterious photo again. She believes Sherlock and her mother, Alice, were a couple and he's the one leaving beer bottles by her grave B constantly cleans up after. B races there to find Sherlock drunk by Alice's tombstone. Chapter 5 Students of the Unhallowed Arts B retrieves Sherlock from her mother's gravesite. When he awakes from his drunken stupor, she demands he tells her everything about their mother and the agency's relationship with her. Leo's still recovering from his nearly fatal fall, but refuses to let anyone help or allow Beatrice to see his wounds. Billy runs into an old workhouse employee he claims to Spike used to beat him unmercifully as a child. But later, when Billy attempts to confront his now old and drunken abuser, he confesses to Spike all the beatings were actually done to B, not him. Now he wants to avenge them since he's older and stronger than before. Sherlock relays to B how he initially met Alice and little Beatrice at the same time and then recruited Alice into the agency with him and Watson. After a few cases, the two fell in love to the dismay of Watson. B believes Sherlock used to torture Alice based off his journal notes but he claimed there were rituals they performed together. He described how Alice's nightmares grew increasingly worse one after the other. She repeatedly attempted to persuade Sherlock to abandon the mystical cases for their well-being to no avail. Jessie intentionally goes back into her nightmares when she believes she discovered a break in the rip opening. Unfortunately, she doesn't get far after being attacked by the undead while there. Billy confronts the former workhouse master with the intention of beating him like he did be, but the old man informs Billy that he himself named him after his mother willingly gave him up and he had no father, unlike the lie he was told as a child. 
It's the same tale they tell all of the abandoned children. Charlotte continues to describe his relationship with Alice and Watson before she died. Alice actually gave birth to Jesse, making Sherlock her real father. Shortly thereafter, Alice is finally able to persuade Sherlock to leave with her and the girls before things get worse, the strange happenings, and her nightmares. She also warns Sherlock that Watson may be more involved with the Rip than he's actually portraying. Watson suddenly found a break in the case after hearing about Alice's nightmares. He leads them to a former execution location where they find the Rip. But Alice is sucked in by a single touch. Sherlock is unable to free her from its grip while Watson restrains Sherlock instead of Alice like Sherlock pleaded with him to. B finally convinces Leo to let her see his wounds. She tells him he no longer has to hide from her before they sleep together. Chapter 6 Hierachium Snowdenese Leo and B follow Watson to a hospital where he's visiting urgent care patients. B recalls Sherlock's previously unsolved case of the collector and believes they've started collecting body parts again. Spike attempts to keep the group together as tension runs high, specifically from Billy and Chessie. B speaks with Billy about his confrontation with their abusive workhouse master. She sways Billy to let his anger with him go, but he'll continue to steal his goodness from him as he did before. Jesse pleads with Sherlock to help find the rip without having to dive deeper into her nightmares. He agrees when Jesse describes the monsters, crypts, and plague doctors from her nightmares. Sherlock expresses his happiness for the first time in 15 years when he and Jesse followed a lead because it reminded him of his time with Watson and Alice on cases together. When Jesse doesn't feel anything like Sherlock believes she should, when they arrive, he runs off disappointed. Leo runs into his handler that was searching for him in order to return him to the palace. Leo threatens to expose his handler's negligence if he doesn't leave him alone. B, Leo, Spike, and Billy follow Watson's path to an herbalist, Edith, whom he met 15 years ago at Sherlock's urgency. They find her home desperately ransacked by Watson. They believe Edith is actually in the same botanical garden where the Snowdonia herb can only grow like Sherlock discovered all those years ago and Watson lied about. They discover Edith there where she manages to revive her dead husband from all the limbs and blood she's collected, but he lives only for a few seconds before he dies again. As B quizzes Edith about Watson, everyone hears a moaning in a nearby closet, finding the tied up detective. Before freeing him, B demands answers about Edith and Watson's relationship. Edith sought help from Watson about contacting the other side with a relic she purchased, but Watson confiscated it for himself and actually opened the rip. Betrayed by his deception, the gang only free Watson when Edith's husband reawakens and attacks her for making him a monster and stealing his death from him. Jesse is abandoned once more by Sherlock as London falls deeper into chaos around him. He calls her a coward for refusing to help by diving deeper into her nightmares that could save the city. That she has no right to demand anything from anyone when she won't even try to conquer her own fears. Later, Leo's handler informs B about who Leo truly is. B is disgusted by Leo's deception and demands he leave and never return. Jesse wanders off to the docks to find dozens of people dead in the yard with a ship sinking in the water. The linen man 
from her dreams has arrived, but not to help close the rip. He accuses her of being weak for not diving deeper to find the rip like B, her friends, and Sherlock tried to tell her. The linen man has been emotionally manipulative towards Jesse their whole relationship. He made her feel special just to take advantage of her when they were alone together. He not only removes her butterfly that saves her from her nightmares, but he locks her away in him, forcing her to find the rip's location for him. Chapter 7 The Ecstasy of Death B demands answers from Watson after being left alone with her sorrow over Jesse and Leo. Watson confesses he couldn't compete with Alice and opened the rip to show he was just as capable as Sherlock and Alice. Sherlock retrieves Jesse from the docks, but she remains in an unconscious state, trapped in her nightmares. They're all made aware of the linen man, who's killed several people already and is an epistemist as well. B provides a lead on the, a location the linen man may be searching for down at Scotland Yard when Sherlock is stumped on where to start. Spike swears to Billy he'll free him and bring the group back together before the rip worsens. Jesse desperately tries in vain to escape the linen man who continues to taunt her. B convinces Richard, the bird man, who's now in the psych ward, to drug the linen man when he arrives to penetrate Richard's mind. Richard agrees, allows him in, but is duped into attacking an officer instead. Later, when Sherlock traps the linen man, his captive persuades him to join him instead of killing him. Spike manages to speak with Leo about coming back. Leo rejects the idea of rejoining them, even lying about not being their friend anymore, but Spike sees right through him. Leo cries he's broken and doesn't belong anywhere because of his medical condition, but again, Spike says he belongs with them. With his influence and status, Leo is able to free Billy and join Spike at 221B. Together, they sit over Jesse's body, begging her to wake up. In her nightmare, Jesse can hear them. She digs herself out of her grave the plague doctors buried her in and fights off the linen man's thoughts. She no longer cares about being a freak. As long as she has her family, she has no reason to be afraid. However, she does discover where the rip is and wakes up to warn the others. However, Sherlock and the linen man beat them there. Chapter 8 The Ecstasy of Life Watson and the gang travel to the underground tunnel but are blocked by a barricade. Watson suggests they use the sewers connected to the tunnel instead. While down there, B panics when her worst fear of Watson informing the nun that Alice has died and then being taken to the workhouse. Sherlock and the linen man hear her cries, warning them they don't have much time left. The linen man breaks from absorbing the power from the rip in order to deal with the gang. One by one, he touches them from the shadows crippling them with their worst fears. While Watson protects B, Jesse is cornered by the linen man. She takes advantage of the situation and dives into his mind. There, she brings forth his worst nightmare, being confronted by all the people he's killed. Distracted, the linen man falls into a shaft he attempted to push Jesse into. Down inside, he warns Jesse the person who opened the rip is someone she suspected all along before he dies. Before Jesse, B, and Watson can rejoin the others, Spike, Billy, and Leo are separated by the collapsing tunnel. Billy's leg is broken by the rubble, and the three boys are ordered by B to return and stay in the cellar. Back with Sherlock, they all see Alice emerge from the rip. 
After she cuddles her daughters, Sherlock grovels to Alice that his overwhelming grief for her prevented him from being the proper father to be and Jesse Alice needed him to be when she died. Spike, Billy, and Leo save a nun and two others from being killed seeking solace in the cellar. Leo forces the others to stand and fight instead of just accepting death. Unfortunately, when the nun prays with the two others and ends with an amen, she becomes possessed by a demon and kills the other two. She then goes after the boys. In the cave, Jesse probes Alice about the rip. Alice tells her she intentionally opened it from purgatory so she could be with her daughters again. Even though the rip is causing all of the surrounding death and chaos in London. She adds, when the barrier is gone between worlds, death and grief will no longer exist. Jessie attempts to close the rip herself, but B blocks her each time. After the third time, Jessie forces B to watch her happiest memories instead of the painful ones. She informs B the happier times outweigh the sad ones. That the pain she's experienced will never drown out the shining love she's experienced or shared with others. B then stands by Jessie and agrees to close the rip. The closer the edges of the rip appear together, Alice disappears back inside. And then Sherlock jumps in to join her. Watson desperately tries to pull him back, but then Jessie's being pulled in too. It's deja vu. Watson has an opportunity to save someone else other than Sherlock, but this time he chooses someone else, Jesse, allowing Sherlock to join Alice in purgatory. All of the monsters are gone and the boys survive their attack in the cellar and they all reconvene at Alice's gravesite. Sometime later, when London returns to normalcy, the gang has scrubbed up and are enjoying a celebratory dinner together. B and Leo leave for some privacy when he informs B about his sudden departure the next day. She feels abandoned by him again, but Leo tells her he agreed to leave in order to save Billy, but she can't tell him. B doesn't return to the others, instead opting for an impromptu dinner with Watson. They exchange a bit of laughable banner until B expresses a moment of sadness. Watson is unsure of what to do, but opts to stay and comfort B. She tells him to leave, but he refuses. He replies, I'm not going anywhere. Overall, I thoroughly enjoyed the series. There were some predictable plot points with some curveballs and shocking moments that kept me coming back. The Epistemus episode was my favorite. The use of tarot cards as the murder weapon magically entwined and aided by the mysterious rip opening. It wasn't a typical case that prepared the gang for Stranger Ones that were coming afterwards, which I thought was really nice, a real nice segue into that. Um, in the next season, I would like to see more of Spike's personality shine and the progression of his relationship with Jesse. I feel like his character was there to progress the other characters' storylines, but not his. At one point, I actually forgot about him. However, I understand with this many characters, it can be difficult to fit everything that needs to be said without it feeling like an info dump. Each character deserves to be flushed out. And if that means we would have to wait until season two to see that, then so be it. What bothers me the most was the lack of empathy and accountability all of the adults, um, I guess, didn't face or didn't have as opposed to these literal children. I think B may have been the oldest, even though age wasn't really discussed as much as the viewer we have to infer 
with the birthdays and the fact that the show takes place 15 years after a major event. And uh, like I said, I think B was the most, I think she was the oldest, but she was definitely the most mature and the most capable out of all of them. But my grievance lies with Dr. John Watson. Uh, his hubris is what's led to the rip opening. He knew about B and Jesse living in that hellhole of a workhouse. Yes, without his mistake, Sherlock and Alice wouldn't have met and had Jesse, but his mistake also led to her death. And his best friend's long, decade-long, drug-induced, um, depressing spiral. The man he so desperately wanted to impress and chose to save from death over a mother was all caused because of him. Watson and Sherlock's attitude throughout the series was based in shame and incompetence. In my mind, Sherlock had an excuse why he couldn't care for the girls. Watson did not. So in the next season, I want to see him kiss their asses. <laughs> like he did Sherlock's as a penance for his deception and mistreatment towards them all the way up until he was pretty much forced to be nice to them or you just basically just tell the truth. Whether they accept it or not isn't any of his business. And another thing, how the hell didn't Mycroft know about them? I, I think he knew more too about their existence. And if it's true, why why didn't he take them in? He passed them off as his nieces in the Epistemus episode, which is, again, my favorite one, because they were. Like, I just remembered that part. I'm like, he passes them off as his nieces. It was like... They are his nieces. So he wasn't really lying. And he met her. He When they met initially. When B initially meets Mycroft. He was like oh so you're you're Beatrice. I think he did know them. But it. I just want to know why no one took care of Alice's daughters. They just left them to rot. That's what really, that's what really messes me up. Um, but yeah there's so much more that can be explored with this series. And I genuinely hope they make another series. Uh, I could easily see them doing at least three of these before it gets really tiring. Uh, maybe a movie in lieu of a third series because the regulars are mentioned from what I know they're mentioned in two Sherlock Holmes cases and I think um, a short possibly something like that but they are mentioned in three separate occasions. So I could see three seasons that would um, fit this whole group of people and like I said a movie in lieu of a third one just to wrap it up really nicely. Again this has been my episode by episode overview of the Netflix original series The Irregulars book one. I'm KS Garner and you've been listening to the Solo Nerdbird podcast. Thank you. Mm -hmm.